This is an ABC podcast. This is the story of the girl who voted, Fanny Finch, read by teacher, historian and actor Alice Garner. Fanny Finch watched in horror as flames engulfed her tent. There was no use trying to fight it. The canvas walls were ablaze. The whole shelter reduced to embers and ash in minutes. Devastated diggers gathered around the smoky mess. Don't worry, Mrs Finch, they said. We'll help you build another tent quick smart. You see, Fanny's tent was the most popular place on the goldfields. Thousands of diggers had flocked to the region, desperate to get rich quick by striking gold. Fanny smartly followed them, but instead of scratching around in the ground for gold, she was making her own fortune, selling food and drinks from her party tent. It was everyone's favourite place. Well, almost everyone's. Someone had deliberately set the tent on fire. Probably the police, Fanny said. But they won't stop me. The police had it in for Fanny. They saw her as a troublemaker. And she was an easy target because she stood out as a coloured woman in a sea of men. She was born in England and raised in a London orphanage before she came out to Australia as a maid. She didn't know her parents but at least one of them had African heritage. Fanny didn't just look different, she acted differently too. She refused to be pushed around. Fanny was a single mum with four kids. One day she had packed up all their things, bought a wheelbarrow and pushed it to the goldfields so she could start her own business. Oh, what's that woman doing on the goldfields without a husband? What will become of her children? What a neglectful mother. Women have no business in business. Another reason the police might have had it in for Fanny was because she made them look bad. Fanny constantly had to step in where there were no police around to protect people in danger. Oi! Get your hands off her! Fanny spotted a mum beating her daughter. How could you be so cruel? Fanny said. You must take her to the hospital. She has a bump on her head. I'll pay the doctor if you need the money. I'll even carry her there for you. The mum promised Fanny she would do it herself. But she never did. And the girl died. Fanny was furious. She told the police and the court exactly what she saw. And the mum was charged with murder. Later, on the goldfields, a woman named Emma called Fanny to her tent. I'm scared of my husband, Emma said. Can you stay with me, Fanny? It should have been a job for the police, but Fanny always stuck up for someone in need. She stayed with Emma through the night and all the next day 
to make sure she was safe. You can go now, Emma said. Thanks for being here, Fanny. But a few days later, Emma was killed. Fanny was outraged. She fronted the police and the court again, telling them how Emma feared for her life. There are people out there who need help, Fanny said. Why aren't you protecting them? That's your job. But the reason the police targeted Fanny was because they said she was a criminal herself. They accused her of sly grogging. That meant selling alcohol without a licence. I did no such thing, Fanny said. There are some police who were simply out to get me. Meanwhile, Fanny's tent was so successful that she upgraded to a proper restaurant. She called it True Blue. Welcome, gentlemen, Fanny said when two constables turned up. Can I get you some soup? It's my specialty. The policeman sat down and started playing cards. We'd like a drink, please, they said. Alcohol. Fanny had a bottle on hand. Technically, she was allowed to serve alcohol as long as she didn't take money. I would never be silly enough to sell alcohol, especially to police officers, Fanny said. But the police charged her anyway. In court, it was her word against theirs. The court believed the police. Fanny was fined 50 pounds. That was a lot of money. But Fanny wouldn't go down without a fight. She was determined to stick up for herself and she wanted everyone to know about it. She whipped out some paper and a pen and became the first woman ever to write a letter to the editor of her local newspaper. And it was fiery. Fanny publicly accused the police of lying and bullying. This is a case of personal spite, Fanny said. I positively deny ever taking one shilling from the two constables. The locals read it and they stuck up for Fanny too. Another letter appeared in the paper from an anonymous friend defending her. Mrs Finch appears to be a persecuted person, it said. Means have been taken to entrap her in a violation of the law. A war has been declared against her. Sticking up for herself made Fanny feel strong. She decided she wanted a say in who ran the town. On the morning of the 22nd of January, 1856, Fanny buttoned up her blue silk dress and pinned a row of brightly coloured blossoms in her hair. She grabbed her handbag, held her head high and marched defiantly into the hall of Castlemaine. I'm here to vote in the council election, Fanny said. Pass me a ballot paper, please. The men inside frowned, some disapprovingly, some confused and some amused. Women didn't vote, or at least not yet. I'm a ratepayer. I have the same right as you to vote, Fanny said. The law said that rate-paying persons could vote in the election. It didn't say anything about men or women. 
But because Fanny was a successful businesswoman, she'd found a loophole. Fanny scanned the 16 names on the ballot paper. Ugh, she sighed. 16 men. My name should be on this paper. Fanny decided to vote for her friend, Walter Smith. He had arrived on the goldfields around the same time as she did and supported her business. Fanny crossed out every other name and left Walter's. Signed, Fanny Finch. She popped her slip in the ballot box and marched out of the hall. There was one other woman who voted that day, but no one kept a record of her name. But the mystery woman and Fanny had just made history. They were among the first women ever to vote in the whole of Australia. And Fanny was almost certainly the first non-Indigenous woman of colour to vote in Australia. Disallowed. 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 The same afternoon, officials ruled Fanny's and the mystery woman's votes as invalid. They had no right to vote. That was it. No other explanation. What a load of gold dust, Fanny said. Her friend Walter was elected, so all was not lost. And I think I made my point, Fanny said. I'm never, ever going to stop sticking up for myself. But when the next election came round, right before Fanny was ready to vote, her house was trashed. Furniture was turned upside down, ornaments were smashed and valuables taken. Maybe it was someone trying to scare her, or maybe it was someone intimidated by her fierceness. Whoever it was, it didn't stop Fanny. She demanded an apology from the police and paid for ads in the paper to keep her business going strong. She was determined once again to stick up for herself. And eventually, other women followed Fanny's lead. Fanny had voted for herself, but other women went further. They took to the streets across the country, demanding the right to vote for all women. 46 years after Fanny signed her ballot paper, women were finally granted that right. 60 years after that, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people won the right to vote too. It was a long haul, and Fanny Finch had been there right at the start of the struggle. And whenever a woman votes today, it's a reminder that you should never, ever stop sticking up for yourself. How fierce is Fanny Finch? What makes you fierce? And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to hold your head up high and stake your claim? Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. My name's Alice Garner and I'm a teacher and historian. I'm also Fanny's great-great-great-granddaughter and I'm incredibly proud of her. If you think Fanny Finch is fierce, then what about a girl who wrestles crocodiles and protects the world's animals? Bindi Sue Irwin was about to wrestle her first wild crocodile. 
She curled one arm around its tail and used her other hand to finish eating a Vegemite sandwich. Got her, Dad? Bindi yelled. Her dad was Steve Irwin, known round the world as the crocodile hunter. He was keeping a close eye on Bindi because she was only five. But she wasn't scared. Bindi was used to crops. Her family lived at a zoo and loved all critters, almost as much as they loved each other. So when Steve died after his chest was pierced by a stingray's barb, the Irwins were devastated. But Bindi promised to carry on her dad's passion for protecting animals. Bindi saves tigers in Sumatra, elephants in Cambodia, rhinos in Africa, and of course, crocs in Australia. When you lose a loved one, you come to these crossroads, Bindi said. You can take the path to sadness, or you can say, I'm going to make sure everything this person worked for continues. And that's what Bindi did. She became a wildlife warrior. That's another one of our awesome episodes of Fierce Girls. To hear it, go to the ABC Listen app or other podcast apps on your mobile device. Remember the three Fs. Be fierce like Fanny Finch. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women and one snazzy guy. It's produced by Alex Lolbach. The executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. David LeMay is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make Fierce podcasts. Fierce Girls is a production of ABC Audio Studios. And if you need more fierceness in your life, have a listen to the other Fierce Girls stories we've made, just for you. You can hear them for free on ABC Listen, other podcast apps, or on your smart speaker. Hey, speaker, play Fierce Girls. Sure, here's the latest episode of Fierce Girls. Or head to the Fierce Girls website, where you'll also find colouring-in sheets and posters of your favourite Fierce Girls. Fierce Girls.